Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We're in the uh, book of Ephesians. We've been in the book of Ephesians for weeks now. This is volume three. We've uh, had two other uh, series on Ephesians. This one's called Rags to Riches, volume three. And uh, over the month of November, we've been looking at the thought of uh, Jesus setting us free. The work of Jesus that sets us free, uh, being liberated by uh, the power of Jesus' redemption. And we've been talking about that. We've been in one passage for a whole month, and we're going to continue to do that today and next week before we turn the corner and head into our Christmas series from Isaiah. Um, I want to talk this morning about three words. Imagine the joy. Imagine the joy. Imagine experiencing, because we've been talking about not only knowing, but experiencing. Imagine experiencing the joy that the Bible says we have in the freedom of Christ. And then imagine everyone you know in your life circle. We all have life circles. Imagine everyone you know in your life circle experiencing the joy that is available in Christ. Imagine you and I being a living witness to the joy, not just the truth, but to the joy that's ours in Christ. Now, as I've been studying this thought, I've come to find out this is not beyond reach to experience. Even in the ebb and flow of real living, real living, you know, the hard stuff, the tiring stuff, the, the battles, the battles, even in that, there is a joy that's promised. Not, not a superficial, shallow, uh, giddy emotion that's not real, but a steadfast, ever-growing, calm delight, a cheerful inner self that is the dominant emotion of all the emotions we have, the dominant one being joy. Raise your hand if you'd be willing for God to zap you with that. Wouldn't it just be easy if he'd just zap us with it? Come on, just, just zap us. So I want to talk about imagining the joy. Um, about a year ago, um, Alexa, the Amazon woman who lives in a little box in my house, she, uh, I asked her for help. I said, Alexa, will you remind me, or as Graham would say, Alexa, will you remind me at 5.30 every morning, just say one word to me. Well, actually two. Tim, meditate. And I have someone that lives below me in an apartment, and I'm sure they enjoy hearing every morning at 5.30, Tim, meditate. It's probably like, all right already, you know? But uh, so I've been studying this uh, thought about the riches that we have in Christ for a couple of years, and that's what triggered the series that I've been doing. And um, as I was reading through that one day, I was thinking about it, and I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit say, you know, you need to mind the riches, Tim. You need to mind them. And so I asked my friend Alexa to help me. And so for the last year, and I'm terrible at this, by the way. I'm terrible at it. And some morning when it's 5.30, and I'm usually up by 5, 5.30, and she said, Tim, I want to say, you know what, why don't you meditate? You know, it's like, you know, you have, the, you know, you have those, mor you have those you, yeah, you have those mornings? You have those months? You have those years? Anyway, you, but I've been doing that getting better at it, and I will mind, I'll think about the riches in Ephesians 1, and I'll mouth them to the point that I've got it memorized, the, the chapter, first chapter in the riches portion of Ephesians 1. And I also mind the imagery of the father welcoming the son back home, and I've been doing that now for a year. And it's helping. 
Imagine. Imagery. Images. Paul said, set your mind. Set your mind. The Hebrew writer, not Paul, said, fix your eyes on Jesus. And that doesn't mean we go out and look in the sky, trying to find him, trying to see him, make believe we see him. There he goes. It's not that. It is an imagery. It is an imagery. It is with your mind's eye, look at Jesus. Look. Imagine. When you think of Christmas, when you think of Christmas, you're talking about decorating, you have imagery, right? What do you see when you think Christmas? I see Bedford Falls. I see it's a wonderful life. I see, you know, childhood moments. I see all that. Uh, people say Christmas is the time for giving. It is. But you know what? Christmas is also the time for joy. But you know what I found out? Joy is the imagery of Christianity, not just Christmas. Watch this. Watch this message today. And I pray for you and, a, and, and, and I that the grace of God will continue to show us that we have a doorway of faith into the warm heart welcome of God as believers. So, that's where we're going. One verse, well actually a verse and a couple words in Ephesians 1, 7, and 8, where we've been, where, we're, where we are today, and where we're going next week. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us. In him, that's the location. In him we have, we own, we possess. Ollie, I forgot my coat today. And you've already worked today, so. But in him, we have, we have, the Greek says, the redemption, meaning there is no other, and there's only one place you can get it, one person who offers it. In him, in Jesus, we have the set free. We have the break free. We have the loosening through the blood his, is the way it is. It's an emphasis, again, on the blood, his blood, in him, loosing through his blood, and the endings of the word blood and the endings of uh, point to a, not only a position, but a power, a power. The dative is the location and the genitive case is that the origin of it, the power of it, it'd be like this. Imagine walking, uh, walking, imagine walking into a place. I can't help but think of the movie Hook with Robin Williams. Ever see the movie Hook? Um, the, the, uh, there, the, the pixie dust that uh, Tinkerbell, oh, I'm all over the place. Uh, Tinkerbell uh, puts on, uh, what's, the, help me. He lost, he didn't lose his marbles after all. Help me. Huh? Whatever his name is, I don't have time for you. You guys have to stay with me. But listen, listen, listen. What's his name? Huh? No, no, no. No, my friend. No, my friend. Toodles, right? All right. Remember she puts the, she puts the, the she puts the, oh, we're deep today. We're deep. And the pixie dust, he get, he's overwhelmed with, with this joy, Right? Right? And he's celebrating this. Okay, so that's in a location, something happens. Imagine the position we have in Christ going along with the position, the experience of. What we're saying today is, is in the location of Jesus, there is, there's a position of forgiveness, there's a position of being loosed, and in that there is an activating, energizing motor of, if you will, for your soul, joy. Not a workup joy. Not a roll up your sleeves joy. It is. It is. It would be like if we walked into this building and all of a sudden we just were overwhelmed with an exhilarative, cheerful 
life-building happy. Imagine the joy. And then this passage says that, that the forgiveness that we have according to the riches of his grace is poured out on us abundantly. So imagine when you wake up in the morning seeing yourself under the shower of the riches of the grace of God and imagine the empowering of the shower, not just the positioning. This is what God is trying to show us that we have. We are the we haves. If we're in Christ, we are the we haves. Not the I haves, we are the we haves. The reason why it's important to see us as the we haves because if it's just the I haves, we can, we can look at others and think, well, I have what they don't have, and that's because, no, it's the we haves. In him, we have. What do we have? We have the redemption. Through the blood, his, nowhere else's, no one else's. And in that, we have forgiveness. And I'm here to tell you that the forgiveness of God is the vast ocean of spiritual freedom and to see it is to enjoy it. Imagine the joy. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite Christian writers. And no one can say it better than C.S. Lewis. In his book, Believe and Rejoice, he says, Joy is the serious business of heaven. So you know what heaven is serious about? Heaven is serious about joy. Watch this. The experience of joy is found in the location of forgiveness. That's where we want to start. In him, in him, we have the redemption through his blood. Say it another way, the forgiveness of sins. The experience of joy is found in a location and only one. In him. There is forgiveness. The word forgiveness in the Greek language there is the word aphasis. Aphasis. A-P-H-E-S-I-S. Aphasis. It means freedom. It means release. It means removal of. When, when the Hebrew scholars uh, were, were deported from Jerusalem and Israel out of the judgment of God into the four corners of the earth, basically the Roman Empire that would be during the time of Paul, the Babylonian Empire during the time of Jeremiah and Isaiah, and they, they were out in all these places. They built these, these meeting places called synagogues. Synagogues. And because they lived in places where Hebrew wasn't spoken, and, and people from those empires wanted to find out about the God of, Israel, of, of the Jewish people, they translated the scriptures from Hebrew into Greek, known as the Septuagint. Seventy scholars did that. LXX is the abbreviation. If you're looking through a text or a commentary, any nerds here, and you see LXX, it's saying this is the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. Well, that means the, the Paul and John and James, when they preached the gospel in the Roman Empire, they used that Bible. There was no New Testament. There was an only testament. And in the only testament, the Hebrew scriptures, they pointed and said, see, Jesus is right there. Jesus is right there. Read it in your own lingo, the Greek language. The Greek word aphasis in the Old Testament is the word used when it describes the priest putting his hands on the, on the goat, confessing the sins of himself and the nation, taking the goat out into the wilderness and setting it free so it could never return to the confessor. That's the word aphasis. It's the same word used when they're talking about all the debts being canceled in all of Israel. Everybody returning to their own land regardless of who owned it before you. Ephesus, you're free from that. That's the imagery. Imagine the joy of that. I was thinking about the joy and the countenance on the faces of most and the faces of us. And imagine the contrast of the, of the continual countenance of most becoming the countenance of joy. If the countenance of joy is on my face, it will be because it has been birthed in the face of my soul.
And the way that the countenance of joy is birthed on the face of my soul is through not only knowing in my head, but the Holy Spirit shining a light in my heart that in him I have the aliphasis. I have it. You have it. We are the we haves, friends. We are the we haves. Imagine the joy. Let's start with the ministry of Jesus. Here's where joy begins. The Old Testament prophets said that the Messiah would bring the joy of redemption. Redemption now is a religious word, but in this time, that word really didn't have anything to do with redemption. It had to do with a freeing of political oppression. It had to do with your debts being canceled. It had to, it was, a, it was a, it, we, and in, in, freedom from slavery, a price being paid to set you free from Rome and, and from debt and from bondage. That was the idea. And Messiah would come and bring that. And oh, the joy that would come. So that's what they're looking for. And the shepherds are out on a hill before Christmas even happened. And somewhere probably in the late fall of the year, most likely during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, because he's tabernacled among us, was probably the birth of Messiah. And the angel appears and says... Boom. Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of what? Truth? Does it say truth? Good news of what? Great joy that will be for the Jews only. The Presbyterians. For all people. A good news, a good message of what? A great joy for all people. Now here's the bridge from the news to the one that would make it happen. Because today in the city of David, a Savior, and we think we're Christians, we've Christianized that. They're not thinking that. They're thinking of this power-promised, anointed king who's coming to settle scores, to make it right, to break us free, to pay the debt. That's what they're thinking. It's starting today. He's been born. Today, a savior. We've Christianized that word. This is power king with God's hand who's coming to set all things right, and it's for everybody. He was born for you. He is the Mashiach. He is the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the Lord. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about the lack of joy. I'm thinking about how that sin, sin is a condition and is an action. Sin is what breaks down this, this bridge between a person's soul and the joy that's offered. I think we sin looking for joy. When you think about it, when you think about it, I have, I've had people over 30-some <clears throat> years of ministry um, look at me and say, when they're just flat out breaking the will of God, breaking the word of God, they'll say, you know what they'll say sometimes? But I'm happy. I'm happy. And you know what else I think? What we got going on here? I missed that. I was thinking of one other thing. Just, just keep rolling. You, you, you tell me just keep rolling? Okay. Um, uh, but I'm happy. So you're not going to arm wrestle. You're not going to arm wrestle for the win against happy. And you know what Jesus also said? Jesus said, when a person finds a hidden treasure in a field for the joy of finding that treasure. You know what they do? They sell everything. You know what it doesn't say? E. I need you. It doesn't say, when a person sees the fearsome gates of hell, they get so scared that they are willing to turn from every sin and follow Jesus, even if they don't know what Jesus offers. So what he said. Do you know how you win the arm wrestling match against joy? 
let someone see a greater joy. I have good news of great joy that will be for all people. Wouldn't you at least go, well, maybe I'll go take a look at that. Because people sin looking for joy. I, did, I, I didn't wake up saying, you know what, guys? I got a plan for this weekend. Let's just go destroy ourselves. Want to do that? Mm-mm. Mm -mm. We had plans, but it was to party. Party, right? Who likes to go to a boring party? If you go, you're, you're trying to bounce. You're trying to get out of there, right? Simone Wheel says, every sin is an attempt to fly away from emptiness. I wish you guys would ooh and ah when I say something. I quote Simone, you're like, ooh, I heard you. I heard you all the way in the back. Ooh, ah. The word for joy, listen, the, the angels, that's the word they use, kara, kara, C-H-A-R-A, kara. Great kara, joy. It's the same word Jesus uses when he says that the Father will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Enter into the joy of the master. It's the same word that Jesus used when he said, the angels in heaven will rejoice when one sinner turns from their way, their will, their world, to God's way, God's word, and God's will. The angels over one. And you know what? We, hey, you know what we haves? Can I tell you what I really believe? If they started rejoicing at the first moment you turned in, they haven't stopped. But you know why we don't think that way? Because of our mind set. And so, Alexa, I need your help. I need your help because my mind naturally goes toward and that's why I said I need Ollie to call me every morning at 5.50. Come on, man! Let's go! I got a word! Come on! I said, yeah. When I hear Graham and Emmy and Juju's voice, I experience Kara joy and I don't care what they've done wrong at the house I don't care if they permanently marked your walls as you're getting ready to pack I don't care what because when they call me and they say pacha I'm all in I've given the store away already my grandkids and another one's coming just saying not from them not from them Although I've been known to have perception. No, but I know, I know nothing. I know nothing. I'm speaking about, uh, I'm speaking about uh, the Summers family. But anyway, anyway, my grandkids are in the we have biz with bond with me. They're in the we have. You know, you and I and the people in the, in the world, we have piled up these bricks of barrenness, burdening ourselves with guilt, shame, sorrow, regret. I wish I could take it back. I wish I could redo. I wish I could reset. And sometimes it gets so bad, sarcasm even comes into the soul. Right? And cynicism and fear and holdbacks. Because not only have we sinned, we've been sinned against. And we make vows on the inner side while we worship on the outer side. Or try to worship. Or hope we worship. We shoot arrows into the air and hope at least one time one of them will stick. And they fall and land on your foot. 
Redemption is understood before we even get into the word by the people that had the word come to them. In their mind, redemption meant joy that comes from finding out that every debt you ever owned was canceled by somebody else. When you think of that, would that make you happy? If you walked out of here today and went up to the store wherever and someone just randomly said, you are the 11,478th person that came in here, you don't owe anybody anything from now to the day you die. Would you just go, well, I'm supposed to be decent in an order. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. You wouldn't care if it was biblical or not. If you've never been able to dance in your life, you wouldn't matter right then. You'd kick off your shoes and God only knows what we'd see on TV. God only knows, right? But me? Telling you, right? Joy in their mind was about all the treasures that you lost through forfeit or had been stolen, all of them being returned back to you. That was the issue. It was about a warrior Messiah king who would come and enforce the victory of war against your enemies and then share all the spoils that he won for you. That's how they're thinking when you hear redemption. The promised Mashiach, the anointed of God that's been spoken, has walked out of the pages of the prophets into real time, tabernacling the presence of God in flesh in our midst. And the angels are saying to those shepherds, he was born tonight. This Messiah, Jesus, here's what the Bible says about him, that he had an anointing on him. But do you know the anointing on Jesus was an anointing of joy? It says, because in the Psalms, because you loved, meaning the Messiah, because you loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, God, your God, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. He said that about Jesus. It was an oil, and, and he had an oil of joy on him, but in the hard stuff of life, Jesus didn't go around laughing when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, did he? But Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him. How? For what was set before him? The joy. That's the point. When you, here's what, see, Jesus, when he talked about the parable of the, of the treasure in the field, <clears throat> you, know what he's, you know what he's saying? You and I, we're the treasure he found. He found you. And for the joy of you in his heart, went and sold all he had to buy the whole thing. He bought it all to make sure he wouldn't miss you. That's pretty awesome. And it says that he was then seated at the father's right hand and David saw him. David saw him approach. Daniel saw him approach. He's at the Father's right hand, and it says, at your right hand is joy forevermore. But you know what Paul says to us, we haves? You know what Paul says to us, we haves? Guess where we are in Christ. Joint heirs at the right hand of God. Now here is the reason why we're not living in the level of joy intended. It has to do with imagining. It has to do with setting our minds. It has to do with imagery. So this joy in redemption comes with Jesus, but then look at this. Jesus breaks the burdens that block this freedom to enjoy the joy that's in redemption. He comes into the synagogue in his hometown and he says, he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah. Um, they, found, they, found, they found a scroll of Isaiah in the, in the 1940s in, in one of the caves of Qumran. And when they unrolled the scroll, it was 24 feet long, wide. The entire word of Isaiah was there and it matched exactly the, the, the scroll they had prior to that one 
It matched exactly one that was written, they found, in 800 B.C. And so it was the same, the same wordage, where some liberal scholars say there were three Isaiahs, or Isaiah and then two of his school people that laid, because Isaiah couldn't have, there's no way he could have been such a bullseye on the Messianic promises, all that. But they found in the 1940s, and they have, you can see this at the Museum of the Bible, I believe that's where it is now, or it might be in Jerusalem, I'm not sure. The whole scroll of Isaiah that dates back previous to the one they had that they had used earlier previous and it's exact and in that scroll are these words that Jesus unrolled and said the spirit of the Lord is on me that's anointing why because now picture their mind he has sent me to preach good news to the poor what better news could a poor person get than your debts are gone or as Willie Robinson Robertson would say gown gown and gown some of you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> Pay the woman. <laughs> he has sent me in this anointing to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. See, this is ringing the bell, man. Set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which points back to God coming and announcing that you get your land back, you get your territory back, all your debts have been paid, what others took from you, it's back yours, and that's what they're hearing, and he's in that synagogue. And let me tell you, the year of the Lord's favor began then, and it is still going on now. Imagine the joy. He said, I, I, have a, I have an anointing on me that can break you from what's blocking you from enjoying the joy of real redemption. I have an anointing on me. And now listen, that anointing we have is already on us to do the same for others. Imagine the joy. Here's a picture in the ministry of Jesus on earth of how this joy being released to and through looks. It can be tears of joy. Look at this one. Turning to the woman, Jesus is having dinner with a Pharisee named Simon. The cultural... Uh, 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 the cultural mannerism of the day would be that if someone came into your house, you were, to, you were to embrace them, you were to kiss them, man to man even, kiss them on the cheek. It was an Oriental, Middle Eastern thing. Uh, anoint their head, wash their feet. Simon the, Zell, uh, Simon the Pharisee did none of that for Jesus. None. And he comes in and they're eating and they're discussing or whatever. And this woman, we don't know who she was or how she got there. She comes in, we know the story. She took the expensive oil, poured it on Jesus' feet and gets at his feet and starts weeping uncontrollably and the tears are washing the dirt from his feet and Simon the Bible man gets offended gets offended and then Jesus says this do you see this woman imagine the witness we can have by people seeing the joy Manifest in all kinds of ways in the circle of our life where people say, do you see that guy? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. In other words, her weeping didn't cause the forgiveness. She wept because she knew she was. You don't weep your way to the favor of God. You worship in the favor of God, and sometimes it's weeping. The Pharisee works it up. The Pharisee thinks by getting away from what will defile him, he'll become something. This woman, somehow or another, saw in the eyes of her heart who Jesus was to her. And she was shedding not tears of repentance. She was shedding tears of joy. 
Because redemption seen causes tears to flow. There are tears that come from needing forgiveness. But better tears flowing from knowing he's forgiven you. Better love flows that way too. Worshiping is not a bunch of beggars coming together asking God to come down. Worship is the gathering of the we-haves. Come on. Who've already entered in. It's about setting a mind even when we gather. You can miss the whole point of the grace of God by saying something with an assumption that we're not when we already are. And you know how you come to know the difference? Alexa, <laughs> remind me, dear heart, to meditate. This woman knew in her experience what Jeremiah heard God say 500 years before. I'm going to, I'm going to create a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I will, I will, I will, and then they will. And there they will, would, there they will, would be a, receive, a receiving, not a doing. I will be merciful to their iniquities. The Hebrew word is avon. It means, listen, dark depravities. I will be merciful to their avon. And I will remember, mindset, their sins no more. And to tell you how faithful I'll be, if you can count the stars in the cosmos, then I'll, my covenant will be broken. If you can count the grains of sand on the seashore, then my If the sun and the moon no longer are in their place, other than that, just live in the we haves. So this woman somehow or another knew. And when he says, I will, re I, I will be merciful to their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. And you won't need Simon to teach you. You better know the Lord because they'll all experientially know me from the least to the greatest through the forgiveness of their sins. And he's not speaking positionally. He's speaking experientially. This woman, this woman at Jesus' feet didn't come from the weeping seminar. She didn't come from the weeping uh, workshop. I've been in this thing a long time. I'm telling you, they probably have them. And there's probably someone that will release the weeping anointing on you. Have you been in the circus for a while too? And it'll cost you a, a sowing of a seed. Let me tell you what this gospel's about. This gospel's free. This gospel's free. And if it doesn't work for all the people, don't go looking at it. Jesus is in the all the people business, not just the elite, not just the intercessors, not just the holy club. He went to shepherds and walked right past the church. I got good news for you. Imagine the joy, not only of tears flowing. You got a minute? Imagine the joy of being a person that the Messiah comes with this anointing and tears the demonic dominion out of your soul and your mind and your life. There was a man who had been so bound by demons that they couldn't help him. They chained him and they sent him across the sea to the other side where people didn't live, where there was a cemetery, the tombs and caves, and this poor man lived in them, and, he, and, and sometimes the chains couldn't hold him, and it says, Luke tells us that he cried out in the night, trying to be free. And you know what Jesus did? He gets in a boat with the 12 and he says, let's go over the other side. And you know what happens there? Just one thing. 
And you know, on the way there, there was a windstorm that came up on the Galilee that, they, that the sea, these, these, these fishermen, these sailors, they thought they were going to drown. It was that intense. There's nothing that says it was satanic, but I, if I was going to bet, my bet would be on Jesus went, to, went in to contest the gates of hell for one man that nobody could help. And when this man is triggered by the presence of the anointing, two people manifest. The person needing to be delivered, and he comes running to Jesus, he has no clothes on. He's cut himself with the rocks, cries out in the night. And he comes to Jesus. And, and, and two people are, the demonics manifesting in him saying, uh, why are you here to torment us? Because demonic dominion in a, in a mind, even in a Christian, if, I don't mean where you have a possession, but this shows you, to the degree the image of God is, is he's out to get you, is to the degree of the demonic influence, whether it comes from this thing right here, or some well-meaning Pharisee out there, when the imagery of God is he's trying to get you out, instead of get you in, you're hearing the liar. The demonic manifests in this man. He says, why have you come to torture me? Jesus didn't come there to torture that man. Did you hear what I said? The anointing is not here to destroy men's lives. It's to deliver men's lives. It's to deliver men's lives. Jesus wants to find out who he's talking to. He says, what's your name? That's how you know. What's your name? He says, we are legion for we're many. When one just... There were a thousand pigs on the hill. A thousand. And the demons begged Jesus. See, that's what demons do. They don't boss Jesus. And they shouldn't boss you. And they shouldn't boss the church. Because you are the we-haves. Come on, somebody. You're the we-haves. That's right. Send us into the pigs. And he says, go. And one thousand... And, you know, I'm sure Jesus sent, got the pigs to heaven. I, I don't know what happened. You know, we'll let, we'll let, but they drowned in the water, a thousand of them. Jesus is showing for us to see the level of intensity demonic trafficking can have. And you know what? The people came out to see that. And when they did, they saw joy manifested by how this man was. Look at this. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man. Once again, here's a witness. The demons had departed from him. How do you know that might be a little bit of a better day? The demon, let's say it this way. The 1,000 demons that controlled this man so powerfully that chains couldn't bind him, the 1,000 demons in a man that made him cry out in the night, moaning in torment for somebody to help him, and no one could help him. The 1,000 demons were gone just because the anointed Mashiach came to Gadara. Come on now. They came to Jesus, found the man the demons had departed from. That's... That's the redemption in him. Set free. That's Aleph. That's Alephasa. That is the removal of. Sitting at Jesus' feet. Dressed and in his right what? What? Alexa. Sister and Lord. Hell or high water, I didn't say that to him. 5.30, get T. McGee out of bed. And if he's out of bed, get him out of his head. It's all about a mindset. The psalmist in the 102nd Psalm prophesied generations before this happened that a happening like this would happen. Listen to this beautiful, beautiful psalm. I don't have it on the screen, but I just threw this in extra. I said that on purpose. Well, I'm in Appalachia, so 
this will be written, listen, this will be written for a later generation. The psalmist saw this in the spirit. And a people who have yet been created will praise the Lord. Sound like joy? He looked down from his holy heights, he still is. The Lord gazed out from heaven to earth to hear a prisoner's groaning. To set free those condemned to die so that they might declare the name of the Lord. You know what the name of the Lord is? Jesus. In Zion and in his praise in Jerusalem when peoples and kingdoms are assembled to serve the Lord. Come on now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close almost. I'm going to close almost. Uh, I was thinking about this, and, 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 and just to put it in a contrast, uh, David, of all the psalms that Paul could use to, to set in the mind of the Roman Christians, Roman Christians now, yes, I did say Roman Christians, not the, we're, 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 we're tethered to Ephesus and Ephesians 1, but I'm going to go somewhere with this. Of all the Psalms, he picks this one. Psalm 32, which he refers to in Romans 4. Let's go there, guys. He quotes Psalm 32, and if you will read in, maybe your Bible has this, but this is true, scholars agree with this. This is the Psalm that, date. listen, this is the Psalm David wrote after Nathan the prophet said to him, God forgave him of the sin of adultery, conspiracy, conspiracy to commit murder, and succeeding. This psalm comes after forgiveness. And David says, Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person, think of this now, think of the contest of David. Would this give you joy? You don't know if the community is going to look at you any better. You don't know if the church is going to look at you any better. But my dear friend, if God looks at you better, that's all that matters. Blessed is, blessed is, and you know what? The church needs to come on up here where God is. Blessed is the person the Lord will never charge with sin. Now hold on a second. Bathsheba. Uriah, Moida. That was an opportunity to laugh. <laughs> Blessed. Now, I have a nerd friend, and there's probably many in this church family. And not to mention any names, but his first name rhymes with Gandrew. And his last name rhymes with Morndorf. <laughs> Texted me the other day and he was talking about, and I'll tell you what, man, God is rolling through our community in fellowship of Christian athletes from middle school to high school. Come on now. And Andrew is part of one that's at Mount Savage. And Andrew was teaching a class, or teaching, going to teach on the blessings of God. And he asked me this great question early one morning, or it was actually late one night, and then I got up in the morning and saw it. And he was asking me things that I just think, man, this is my brother from another mother. He was asking me the difference between the word makarios and eulogia and eulogios. That's a good conversation at 5.30 in the morning. For nerds. <laughs> Makarios is the word used here for blessed. Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven. Eulogio and eulogia are the actual blessings listed in Ephesians 1. 
When I say minding the riches, when I meditate on the things in Ephesians 1, I am minding the, the, what, I, what, I, what God has eulogiosed me. He has good worded me. And the good words are these positionary blessings that I have in the grace of God. In him, the blood his. Right? Makarios means the state of happy bliss knowing you are eulogia. Knowing you're in the we haves, makarios means you believe it so much that you have cheerful bliss. And Paul uses of all the people and of all the circumstances so that the devil can't say, yeah, but you committed adultery. You killed somebody. Paul in the Holy Spirit is a genius. He picks this kind of a character in this kind of a condition. And he says, listen, I'm living in the Marcarios of God. Now, if you've committed the sins that the church community does not allow you to come back from, you need to mind the riches or you don't have a chance. And once again, I am telling you, in the condition of the church collective, sadly, we are not where he is in these types of situations. But when he looks down into this house, when he looks down into this family, he's going to find not the me-haves, but the we-haves. Saying to those previously committing things that to the degree that Makarios brings the cheerful bliss, the opposite of going after sin to find joy, to flying out into emptiness. We are here as the anointed body of Jesus to say to them, I have good news of a great joy. Eulogia is the positional place to experience the makarios, the blissful liftoff. Blessed is those that the Lord has forgiven. That word means he's lifted off me. And if you read Psalm 32, he says prior to confessing this and repenting to, before God, he said, your hand was so heavy on me that the strength of my life was draining. I was like a dry desert in my soul. But then you forgave the guilt of my sin. And Paul uses that, speaking to a Roman society that if you've read Romans 1, we're far from walking in the image of Jesus. And then he says, and you who judge them, doing the same things, think you will escape the judgment of God? Or are you not mindful? Are you not mindful of the kindness and patience of the Lord leading you to will his will and will his word and will his way? How long did it take you? Were you on a clock? Were you on a clock? Were you born saved? How many Simon the Pharisees do we have here and here? Simon, you know why you don't weep? Her sins that were many, she knows are forgiven. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Because it's not that you're not forgiven much. Your mind is set in another image of God and people.
because Jesus says, will you look at this woman? Oh, he was looking at that woman, but not through the eyes of God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the poor in Makarios, Makarios, Makarios. Jesus is saying, listen, you are going to find a joy in lining up with me when you realize you cannot pay me for what you've done. Blessed are you. You are in the place where I can jubilee your soul. You find it nowhere else. In him. Blood his. In that location only is the genesis effect of redemption and forgiveness through the power of that blood. And Paul says, I know you know it, but you don't know it. So I bow my knees before the Father and I ask him to empower your spirit so you can live in the fullness of the love of Christ. Last slide. Last slide. Is it the last slide? Well, it isn't, but we're going to make it the last slide. H.L. Uh, Linsky, or C.H. Linsky, one of my favorite Greek scholars. I, di all, I didn't do a research paper in four years of college that didn't have a quote from Linsky in it. This is the most amazing thing. No sinner, and try he ever so hard, can possibly carry his own sins away and come back cleansed of guilt. No amount of money, no science, no inventive skill, no armies of millions, nor any other earthly power can carry away from the sinner one little sin and its guilt. Once it's committed every sin and its guilt, cling to the sinner as close as does his own shadow. Cling to all eternity unless God carries them away. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my avon, my deep depravities. The punishment that brought me shalom was on him, in him. The blood his, nowhere else. The punishment that brought me shalom was on him and by his wounds, I am, we am healed. Would you stand please? The Lord told me, We're in the we haves right now. We're in the we haves. The Lord told me this morning that symbolically, as oh, there is no oil on earth that has any magic power. There need be none. The oil flows from the throne of God and it is already on you. But as a symbolic act of your faith, the Lord spoke to me this this morning and said... That he wants to generate on your life today the oil of gladness for the spirit of despair. The oppressive depression that's coming from the enemy and, and in some cases, and this is me sometime, the devil can take a vacation with me because I play God on myself. And a, and, a, and a warped imagery of God that I picked up early in my Christian life from in, good intended Judaizer preachers thinking they were preaching Jesus, but they actually were preaching Moses in a Jesus suit, killed me, killed me dead. And the thunder of Sinai became my mindset of God instead of the celebrated Mount Zion 
where angels are in joyful assembly with a better testimony coming from the blood of Christ. But God's opened my eyes to that. But the depression and the oppression and self-judgment and even self-hate because of a sensitized heart to the things of God. I, 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 I felt at different times in my life, I gave Paul a run for his money where he said, oh, wretched man that I am. When Paul wrote and said, I'm the chief of sinners, I used to always think, well, that's because I wasn't born yet. You can't walk free in the paralysis of a mindset where you judge yourself guilty even when Christ has set you free. And God anointed a moment in my life where he began to take that fog of war out of my consciousness and begin to work liberty in my soul or I wouldn't be able to preach what I'm preaching to you today. It came through the torment of that experience in my life that God showed me his grace. I found grace in the wilderness when the Lord showed me that I was his beloved even when I wasn't my own beloved and definitely wasn't with others. And he used that experience in my life to open my eyes to a doorway and gateway where the Father's heart is always welcome and warm. And I'm telling you, there is an anointing that he wants to give to those in the we haves. An anointing in the anointing. A surging of the wave already in the wave. To begin and maybe break you free from a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of self-hate, a spirit of self-judgment, where joy has been stolen from your walk. This happened to a whole church called the Galatian church. They started out in the joy of the Lord and false teaching in the name of the gospel put a bondage back on their life. And Paul writes them a letter and he says, what happened to all your joy? Who set a spell on you? There are all kinds of spells being cast on the body of Christ all over the world. And I'm telling you what I'm talking to you today, Jesus is Lord of what I'm saying today. Jesus is the Redeemer. The Holy Ghost of God lifts people out of the darkness and into the light. And I, I tell you, I know I, I, wonderful people. You guys are so wonderful people. And I know you've come from all kinds of places. Some of you have come from charismatic backgrounds where you've been waiting, all, you've been waiting forever for me to say, one, two, three, let's dance. And then there are other people you are saying, if you dance, I'm bolting. And, 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 everywhere, and everywhere in between. I know we've had people that have exercised uh, uh, gifts of tongues in different times. I wasn't here. Other people, and it wigged some people out. Listen, and I, I've been hoping you'd just kind of stay on the train as we go along. And I know getting this out, someone could go, oh, geez, here we go. Here we go. If there's one person in this room that's not at all into the showy circus stuff, it's moi. You don't need any oil. You don't need my hand on you. None of that. But in obedience to the voice of the Lord, when we do, whether we're back, whatever our theology, whatever, listen, he wants to meet us on the other side of go. And I know this, I don't care if you've come out of a Lutheran, a Baptist, a B Assemblies of God, I don't care, Catholic, whatever. If, if he's speaking to you like blind Bartimaeus, if he's speaking to you right now, what the people said to Bar Bartimaeus was, hey, get up, be of good cheer. He's calling your name. What happened to him? Can I ask you what happened to him? He could see what might happen to you on the other side of go. I'm here to tell you that this guy that's been up here for years and years and always preaches too long, always, always, is saying to you, I heard the Lord right there when I saw this bottle right down there and he said at the end of when you're done encourage people to come forward anoint them with oil for them to believe that the freedom they have will become the freedom they know I'm just a guy and you're just a person but there's somebody else in the room you know who he is He's the one that the angels announced was born in that stable that night. He's the one that crossed that sea 
for one man that had a thousand demonic strongholds in his life. He's the one that made that woman, and God only knows what kind of sins she had lived in, set her free, took the lock of mercy, and opened the prison of her soul so she could weep that stuff right out of her onto the floor. Would you? And only if the Holy Spirit is saying to you, today is Freedom Day. While they play, and I'd love to say nobody will watch, with nobody looking around and every head bowed. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, we're humans, man. That's the way it rolls. I'm sorry. That's how it rolls. Why don't you, in the quiet stillness of the grace of God, just take a walk of faith and say, Lord, here I am. Be it unto me according to your word. And I'll pray with you. If everyone in this room comes up here, I'll wait. We'll do it all. I'll do it all day. I'm not going to pray a long prayer. Just on we go. It's between you. I'm nobody. It's you and the emancipator. Come on now. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the kingdom of God would come with signs that accompany it. That the dunamis that Paul talked about that hit the Corinthian city and hit the city of Ephesus and hit Rome. Lord, that the dunamis of power that's in Jesus of Nazareth, in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ, would manifest in the lives of people today to unlock, unlock the prison cell, that praise wouldn't be worked up, but it would be a work of mercy and grace and healing. Set the prisoner free. Set the oppressed free. May righteousness and praise come forth out of the soil of people's soul. I ask it, every religious spirit that's trying to bind any person in this room, I have authority over you in the name of Jesus, and I bind you and cast you out of here, and I proclaim liberty for people to respond to the healing graces of God in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.